Hello, hello, hello. I'm Michelle. And I'm Veronica. Welcome to our podcast, I Don't Know To Be Honest, a safe space for people who do not actually be flipping knowing. Okay, guys, I'm not gassed. I am actually so elated. So basically... Tell us why, tell us why. Okay, so I, like, I have my two favourite people. Obviously, I do a podcast with Michelle. Michelle's, like, naturally one of my favourite people ever. But I've got also one of my other favourite people that, like, a few podcasts ago, I was like, when I go to New York, can I go to Catherine's house? And I've only been to Catherine's house in New York once, but still. Um, I've also got my very best best friend, Catherine, on the phone. Um, Catherine, do you want to introduce yourself? Everyone, Catherine, Veronica's, uh, one of Veronica's favourite people. I basically think this, um, this episode is going to be a bit of a mess, but we move. Um, so, um, <laughs> so like um, last week we had, as you guys know, it's Black History Month um, in the UK, bada bing, bada boom. And um, we are highlighting some trailblazers, Brat British trailblazers that we know. So last week we had the fantastic Uncle Timmy from the Nerd Council. Um, and this week we have the equally fantastic Catherine Nabran from CatherineNabran.org. And Catherine's like, what a mess. <laughs> So Catherine, so Catherine, it's lovely to have you on. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for being here. Um, I have I have heard nothing but good things about Catherine. So I feel like I live the Veronica Catherine friendship vicariously. Um, and so I'm really excited for this conversation that we're about to have today. Um, and I was just going to say, Catherine, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself if you had to? Or actually... Before we do that, our icebreaker activity that we like to do, Two Truths and a Lie. Bang. Bang, bang, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think we should do that. We should do that. So I will, Veronica, you'll be the one to start, just giving Catherine some time to get in and also Fodamo giving me time to think. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as you guys know, Two Truths and a Lie, um, icebreaker when we've got people on the pod. I'm going to make this fairly easy because y'all should be able to know this. Um, so Catherine is the absolute princess of like journeys. Um, so I think this episode, we're going to really, really focus on people's journey and just journey in life and all that stuff. So with that in mind, with that in mind, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to speak about like journeys for two truths and a lie. So two truths and a lie. Journeys. The first trip I ever took on a plane was going to Nigeria. Um, I used to live in Amsterdam Mm -hmm. and I often visit Scotland. Wow, that is so easy. You didn't even try. Yeah, but then y'all are like, (laughs) Um, y'all are like, you're like, I'm gonna say, (laughs) this is a tough one. Go to Scotland for fun. That's the truth. That's definitely a lie. Oh, okay. I would say, I mean, it was hard to do this process of elimination, but I would go with the Scotland thing as well. I feel like that was definitely a lie yeah. and the others are the truth. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, 
yeah I don't go to Scotland I used to live in Amsterdam and the first place mm-hmm. I ever went on a plane was to Nigeria bang 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 Catherine do you want to go second sure okay so first thing um I went to Nigeria three times in 2018 second thing I went on a road trip to Texas where I met Solange at a petrol station wow third thing I was born in New York but my family left to live in Nigeria when I was three months old huh okay let me start um because I'm the one who would most likely not know this I feel like the Solange petrol station situation (laughs) might (laughs) might be the lie (laughs) not that it's not very Solange to be found at a petrol station but just I think I know about the um oh my god the first one was true but I don't remember it my brain has blanked out the second one I don't that sounds like a, that sounds realistic because I've had something fairly similar fairly you've gone to somewhat. the petrol station no no, no, no the third left. one the third oh. one about um living being born in New York and then um her parents moving to um, moving back to Nigeria mm-hmm. when she was three months old mm-hmm. so that sounds like something that could happen you know in a when you're talking about tra- this transatlantic thing that we Africans like to do where some people are down here some people are elsewhere mm-hmm. um so <laughs> I feel like the middle one might be the lie yeah what do you what do you think Monica you know what I was gonna say I was like I was trying to remember what happened in 2018 Yes, like, that's what you said, Nigeria in 2018. Yeah, Nigeria. But I was like, what happened? And I was like, oh, I remember. Now, I think the Nigeria 2018 is the truth. Mm-hmm. I think the road trip is a lie. And I and I know the third one to be a truth. Um, yeah, you're correct. It was uh, number two. That was a lie. Unfortunately, that was the most exciting one, though. <laughs> that was kind of fun, you know. I was like, wow. Okay, my turn, my turn. Best believe I haven't really been thinking about it, but I'm just going to go. Okay, so um, first thing is I used to, I lived in Nigeria for nine years um, of my life and moved back here, um, well, in 2007. Um, I, oh, yes. I grew up with, um, well, I went to school with Burner Boy um, and me and him kind of had a fling. Somewhat. I liked him, he didn't like me back. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Them ones ones there. (laughs) Um, And third thing is, um, I once sprained my knee actually on a ferry oh actually that's not the story the story is I once got very seasick (laughs) I once got where I went I got a ferry to Belgium and got very seasick and ended up basically fainting in the middle of the ferry it was yeah yeah are you sure it was your knee no <laughs> no 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 my knee I, st- I changed the story I changed the story not the knee it's the seasickness it's the seasickness that made me fall down <laughs> on the ferry <laughs> en route to Belgium wow 
<laughs> so, have Kath, at it, guys. Cast you on a go. Huh. <laughs> that last story was as if he was choking you to come out of your <laughs> yeah. Cap, falling, seasickness, Belgium, all of that. Very, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> I think the second one is uh, a novel in itself. I think you, sh- if that's real, that needs to be published. <laughs> <laughs> But for some reason, it sounds like, I feel like I've heard that someone went to school with Burner Boy. I don't know if it was you. I don't, I don't know how I know this. So even though that sounds, actually, how old is Burner Boy again? 28, 29? Yeah, he was, a, he was a few years, he was a few sets above me. No, but why, mm, now I don't know, the way you're talking. Um, I'm gonna say that the last one was a lie. Veronica? Okay, so I know that you went to Belgium. I don't know what happened on route there. <laughs> I'm very sure. <laughs> I know you went to Belgium. <laughs> and I know the way that your brain works is that you think of three lies and then you now be like, what one can I slip in there as truth? So I'm going to say the third one is the truth. I, I 100% know you didn't go to school with Burner Boy, otherwise we would hear it from now <laughs> until the end of time. As in, she'll be in his comments like, remember me when I was in set three that's what she'll say (laughs) so um yeah so okay so I feel like okay so since you both identified the lies Veronica's correct um as much as I know he did a song called Onyeka which is my middle name um in that song that I really like that song um and so that was my claim to fame when it, the song came out, I was like, finally, our love is now in public. But no, no, I don't know Burner Boy. This man know. is currently dating Steph London. Allegedly, fight. allegedly. You can also fight. Yes, and so I can fight too. I know how to throw hands. In fact, okay. she can meet me at my gym. Okay, go then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, That's I definitely did spray. <laughs> I definitely did sprain my not. I, I did actually uh, like injure my my um me in a ferry, but not on the way to Belgium. That was a random thing. Um, but yeah, I I have I suffer from horrible horrible seasickness. That I was on this ferry. My mum thought it would be an idea because she's always you know ah we should go on a cruise. We should go on a cruise. <laughs> so my mum is about that cruise bag, and I keep telling her, mum, me and motion anyway. If I'm not walking, I'm feeling sick. It's only when I'm driving and I'm in control, my brain can reconcile the movement and the direction with what's actually happening. But on the, in the ferry, when I'm on a thingy that's doing bounce and bounce, my brain doesn't do, like, there's the whole mechanism behind seasickness. Basically, I just don't do seasickness. I get car sick, I get seasick, I get any sort of travel sickness that one can think of. Oh, that's and bad. my mum thought it'd be a good idea that we should go on a ferry. And I tell you, this how to eat my chips. Every time I put a chip in my mouth, I have to sleep. <laughs> per, per, per chip I was having a five minute nap because I just my I couldn't do it like I couldn't do it and I was throwing up as well it was just not a cute journey at all and of course I did live in Nigeria for nine years mm-hmm. so yeah a little bit to no activities yay yay, yay. so Sovi <clears throat> or V and Kath so now we can go back to the introduction Catherine would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself that we don't already know from our game. Um, so yeah, I'm Catherine Labra and I live in Brooklyn, New York at the moment, but I was raised in London, in Yoruba, very proudly so. 
Um, I work for a social justice organization called the Black Alliance for Just Immigration, where my role is the gender justice program coordinator. So I do a lot of work around ending criminalization of immigrants, bailing people out of prisons and jails and detention centers, uh, work to expand access to healthcare, uh, ending the HIV epidemic, and a whole bunch of things, really, anything to do with Black liberation across the board. And uh, I also have a background in poetry, so I'm always trying to connect the arts with uh, social justice movements because I don't believe that we'll have true liberation without creativity and being able to imagine like our way forward. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. A Damn. woman. Honestly, a woman and exactly what we need in this time as well. So I'm glad, I'm happy to know someone that is actually making moves, moving and shaking and breaking the system. Thank you. Absolutely. I think we all have our own unique ways, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, honestly, like <clears throat> one of the questions I want to fly in with, if I have questions, if I if I just jump right in, if you don't mind me. Um, how did you, first of all, a black Brit living in Brooklyn, New York? How was that? How did mm-hmm. happen? How did how it happen? How, like <laughs> 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 Post to, uh, to make it make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born in Staten Island, New York, uh, which is, you know, a lot of people sound so random, but that's, you know, where my family initially lived. Um, but as we just, you know, spoke about, my family left when I was three months old to live in Nigeria for three years. And then from three until 18, I grew up in London. But then when I was like applying for unis, in 2012, uh, I think I felt like this push that if I actually wanted to learn about black liberation and be able to like explore it on like a global level, then I'd have to move. Like theory isn't enough to know about struggle or to know about history or to know about people and like difference and to be able to connect those dots. And especially given in the UK, like our black history education was so poor that by the time I moved to the US, like the only like person that we'd actually learned about for maybe even one day was Martin Luther King. So in order to make my social journey, uh, social justice journey make sense, I knew that this was the time to make that leap, especially given that I have like dual citizenship, so it was easier for me than it could be for other people. So in 2013, I moved to Atlanta to do my first degree in psychology. Um, And I studied psychology specifically because I knew I wanted to look at how trauma shows up in black communities and how we can work through that trauma and heal from it. So psychology was that first step. And then I began working for human rights organizations, went to Yale to study African studies. So piecing like that sociological aspect and put that together with the psychological foundation that I kind of built. And then, yeah, after that, the next step was to go fully into it after my master's. I graduated last year and uh, tried to piece together the puzzle and like be on the front lines of these struggles and support people who've been doing this work longer than I have. That's amazing. Congratulations as well. Like I hear master's, I hear Yale. So we got a smarticle, babe, amongst us. Like You said she went to Yale. Yale. She went to Yale. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. I think it was, I don't know if, I don't know if it's Veronica who told me, or I just saw Yale. I was just thinking, wow, you know, it wasn't, 
it was never like something that I thought I was going to do. Like, I didn't actually think I was going to do a master's degree. Mm. It wasn't because I just literally didn't think that far. Um, but then one of the reasons why I really wanted to do my master's was to learn Yoruba, you know, my family's uh, language, which wasn't taught to me as a child and, mm. and doing this work and, and going to Nigeria so often, I felt very disconnected from like my community because you know, I'm going there, someone who grew up in the Western world and I can't even connect with people on a different level. So yeah, I was like, I would rather like give up two years or not even give up but use two years in order to like be able to speak my indigenous language and be able to pass that on to children when I hopefully eventually have them. Yay. Oh my gosh. First of all, speaking up about the um, learning Yoruba, how did the, I, re, I re actually remember the time where you literally were just speaking Yoruba? Yeah, yeah. And typing in Yoruba. And I remember, oh my God, I remember for your birthday one time, literally, I remember MV was wanting to send you something in Yoruba. And we, she was literally second checking, was like, have I gotten this right? And I was like, right, like, Catherine's really trying to learn Yoruba. I love that. Look yeah. at. Can we just take a minute to like pause on my dedication to my friendships here? <laughs> like honestly, effort, A for effort. Oh man. So, I know, like, so so right now, how, where would you say your um I mean that's one of the things I picked up on, like in terms of your learning of Yoruba language, like you, you spent you say you spent two years learning how to speak Yoruba? Technically, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah but yeah. And especially like in 2018, like I spent like the whole summer in Nigeria at the University of Ibadan, like in a language. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. See, how do I know? That's how you know I've been stalking you, Catherine. <laughs> because I, how am I here saying I remember that? Did you tell me? But that's together. <laughs> Everybody was there. Everyone. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Um, I'm not Yoruba as none of you would know this because I've never said it before. I'm not Yoruba, I'm from Delta State and nowhere near any of the Yoruba lands. Um, but I am, my family, um, so my mother's side of the family have pretty much all her siblings, most of her siblings have married into Yoruba cultures. They married, my aunties are Yoruba. So the in-laws are Yoruba. And unfortunately, as my dad would say, because he says, you have lost your identity, what did he say? So you should be ashamed. You've lost your identity. Harsh words. Absolutely. Because he, I blame him for, I blame my parents for not being able to speak my language because they really, mm. they allowed me to develop English as my first language. Once English is your first language, it's hard to really learn another language. Like I know a lot of families that have their children or my friends who speak their own traditional language. Um, they usually, they say to me, Oh yeah, that's because that's all we spoke in the house. Mm -hmm. That's because that's the that was my first language. The first thing I picked up on was my language. I've got one of my close friends who um, is Turkish, and she speak her her younger brother. I remember when he was born, his first language was like Turkish. He wasn't speaking English. She only you know, and she used to banter and call him a freshie. But now he's really he speaks English really well but he also speaks Turkish and which is beautiful and I'm like I wish my parents did that and just did not speak English in the house so uh, but the point I was trying to make is I can actually speak more Yoruba than I can speak my own language because my mom and her brothers and sisters brothers sisters and the in-laws speak Yoruba so I was gonna fling some Yoruba at you and just see if you can or, t or say something to me and see if I say something to me in Yoruba Catherine looks very distressed this is I feel like my Yoruba is the sweetest when I'm in Nigeria. Mm. Yeah. When 
I'm talking to someone who consistently speaks to me in Yoruba. You know, that transition for me is so sharp. So when people do it, it's just like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. it feels no, like, like, I have to like reload like the language. And then also because before Yoruba I learned French, sometimes like, like in my mind, French and Yoruba cannot exist. I don't know why that is. Really? Yeah, they to can't. Honest, they're very different. For some reason they can't coexist. So now like I'm kind of getting completely rid of the French language from my mind. Mm-hmm. Not intentionally, but it's just happening. Because at some point I was trying to speak Yoruba and some French words were coming out. Like it was a mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now my mind is like, we just need to cleanse. Cleanse from the thingy. Okay, I'm just going to say, I'm going to greet you in Yoruba. I'm just going to say Balani. Dadani. Okay. Well, what does this mean? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I knew Veronica's gonna get. I'm her. sorry, y'all. <laughs> like an absolute parent. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I'm gonna need you to speak <laughs> the English language. <laughs> so I no, just I'm said, I I said how like basically Bounty is like how is it going? Like you know how mm. is it? How are things? How is it going? And Kath said, Dadani, so it's going well, right? It's good. How about you, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. And how I know this is, again, I think Yoruba is a very fascinating. I love Yoruba. I Yoruba really is a very do. sexy language. It's a very sexy and, and it's hella funny. Oh my goodness, goodness me. Mm-hmm. Everything is funnier when you say it in Yoruba. And that's a fact. And I, I stand Yoruba people. Like I don't do this whole divisive whatever. We're all Nigerian, mm-hmm. but I, I do stand Yoruba. And I do, I do, I did do, do, did want to end up with a Yoruba person because honestly, it's just my, him. I'm, the, the person that my mom is gonna be bantering bears. <laughs> at least the family will be bantering bears. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, no, that's true. Anyways, let's know. That, that's neither here nor there, innit? <laughs> I love the switch <laughs> between tenses. Um, that we move. <laughs> Um, um, no I think that I think Yoruba is an incredibly powerful language like I'm Igbo and the only way that I heard Yoruba when I was young was in music Mm. and it was what it was like I'm like yo these people are it just sounds like like I am here like to somebody like elsewhere it sounds like I am here and like you know how some people say that like you know when you don't understand the language but you hear it so I can understand why some people if they don't if they don't understand Igbo but they hear it they say it sounds like Japanese like African Japanese Hmm, I'm just trying to think of it in my head but I can kind of see where they're going with that because it's like long syllables and short Hmm. like long 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 short long 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 short and it's like in, Jap- in like, you know, the way, um, for example, if you don't hear what Japanese, you, you don't understand what Japanese people are saying, but all you're hearing is the flow of how they're speaking. So yeah. it's like long, short abruptness, long, short abruptness. And I've always thought Yoruba just sounds, it sounds like a language that is full of consonants. Like it's so like, do, 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 do. I don't, that's me that doesn't understand the word that anyone is saying. It just sounds like, ba, 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 ba. Baba. <laughs> hey, wow. But that's it to me. It's it's so sexy, but yeah. Hello. No, your bro's great. Um and I honestly my language is fantastic as well. So I don't know anyone who would know this. So um my language is called Agbo. Mm. And um it's 
it does sound quite similar to Ibo, but it's definitely not Ibo. Like we have, my mum would understand an Ibo person and be able to respond because my mum knows a bit of Ibo as well. Um, but it's honestly, I just feel like languages, like African languages are just really beautiful to hear. Mm-hmm. And these are the only ones I know. I only know Ibo, I only know Yoruba. Um, I know a little smidgen of Alsa because I learned it a little bit when I was in Nigeria. Um, but it's just, it's just, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I, I think one of my regrets in life is not being able to speak my language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how to redeem it because with Yoruba, I feel like Yoruba is more easily accessible to learn. My language is not really there. And I don't even know if I trust the stuff that's on the internet because it, it, it might be adulterated. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Have any of you been chapsed in your language though? That's the sweetest thing. Oh no, I've never been chapsed in my language before, but oh man, I would love, because I understand my language. I think it'd be really nice. It would be really nice because it's just sing-songy. Everything mm. is just metaphors yeah. and... But that's how they get to your head. That's that's how they... <laughs> have, you, have you been... Ch- no, you're about ch- I've been chapsed in Yoruba before. You're, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's literally, a, it's a poem. It's <laughs> a poem. Yeah. With me, with Ibo, it's not from the people, it's not from the mouths of someone that I would want it from. That's, that's, <laughs> very... that's also true. That's also true. So it sounds like terrorism, you know? <laughs> it's like you're attacking me no, with stop. my language. <laughs> you're calling me to do an errand. It's all right. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days. Now, I've watched, you know, I've watched them. I've watched your okay, Nollywood and, and them Mandela. Like, it really rains heavy in this house. And I watch your other movies and I really, really enjoy like listening to the, you know, when the um, someone is trying to pull someone else and then, you know, the, when we fair, it's just bare hair. Uh, oh, what does money fair mean? I, 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 money fair is, I, wait, money fair, isn't that I, I, I like you, I love you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love you already when you're trying to church. Nigerians are so OTT. Absolutely. It's actually our bag. Um, <laughs> you should know this. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, Sorry Catherine. But you have to lock it down expeditiously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as if that person is vanishing tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. Although I did watch a Nollywood movie with somebody chaps in an Ibo. It was nice, only that it was unwarranted. That's it. It's like an attack. It's like an attack. She I was not the... interested. <laughs> I love I love the way people pray though in Ibo. It's very like it's very like sensual. It's like when mm. I've heard Hawasa before, Hawasa sounds so like massagey. So each time I've heard Hawasa, it sounds like a language that caresses. Like it just sounds so sensual. Like, but I think that because you're not understanding the language that's coming out, you're not hearing the words, all you're hearing is the tone of voice. Like um, we have a friend that's um, fuller and the way that she speaks, it's so fast. You know, like the way that Colombians speak Spanish and it's just like, I'm like, that language is so rapid. And you just sound like, like you just know that, you know, Fulani people are nomads because their language sounds like, I need, I need to get, I need to get. <laughs> Let me get out of here. <laughs> Stats. Stats. <laughs> and you can just hear it through the language. And then it's just like, Hawasa just sounds like a language that caresses. And Igbo is like very, when I, when I hear, so Igbo's got so many different dialects that there's some people that speak Igbo that I don't even understand them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I, I'm like, there's one of my, um, my grandma's friends that when she speaks Igbo to me, I'm like, sis, 
and you were staring at each other. Yeah, but that's the, that's the thing. That's that's the one of the huge, huge misconceptions about Nigeria. The whole tri tribe the three tribes that they've they've almost over they've oversimplified Nigeria and so it's like they don't recognize that they're actually like within the Wazobia the Wabi the Yorubas the Zobi and the Alsas and the, the Biabi and the Ibos there's mm -hmm. so many subdivisions and actually it's quite rude that they've just said well you know what there's three tribes mm. okay and by they I mean the the, the colonialist like the colo I can never say the word colonial colonialist Colonizers. <laughs> Colonizers. <laughs> I'm screaming. Okay, Cass, I've got actually got a question for you. <laughs> me out. I never know how to say the word. Colonizers. This week, actually, I stopped. I've stopped being able to say stuff in alliteration, so that's fun. Um, but like, Cass, I've got, <laughs> I've got a question for you. So, um, you mentioned you were like 18 when you moved to ye old. United States of America um what was one thing that like shocked you about the move and one thing you really enjoyed like about the move as well because I imagine it to be quite hard like as yeah. a culture shock yeah it was a culture shock um I mean I think I was shocked by the education system and how different it was from how like we were taught in schools in England and just like the process of like even signing up for classes, going to classes, what the expectations were. Like it was just a completely huge like shift in my understanding of like the way teaching works. Like, yeah, it was just everything that we went through in like schools in London, like it was the opposite. So I feel like I had to adjust that, but then also try and retain what I wanted to retain. Like I would be in classes doing exams and they would say that I'm spelling words wrong because I'm putting like you in color. So then I, but I wanted to retain that. So I mm. basically took the L because I didn't want to change the way I wrote. Mm. When you start changing the way you write, you start changing like the way you think. And then all of a sudden your accent has flipped and you know, you start missing like a lot of yourself. So people are confused like why I still talk the same. And I'm like, it's intentional. Like it's actually quite easy to like, you know, lose particular aspects of your identity, including your accent, because, you know, you're consistently like, even if it's just like small jokes, I think over time, like it can like add up for people. Mm. Like, okay, no, I'm going to pronounce things this way instead, just so I don't have to feel this way. But to be honest, oh, if I need to be a clown in the class, I'll be a clown in the class. <laughs> 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 because if I change my voice now, then when I'm talking to people like you two, class will be laughing at me. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I was expecting, I'm not gonna lie, like I thought that I mean I, you've been you've been um living in America for you said 2012 now. So going on 12, yeah? 13. Uh, 13, so seven years, about seven years now. Oh, so yeah, I would have expected, I know that's been a long time, you know. Mm. I would have ex expected that you would potentially have I don't know, because of the age you went there, I don't know if I would have expected you to lose your accent entirely, but you do sound like you've been quite intentional about retaining your British accent. Yeah, because you don't you don't even say I've been listening for slip ups here and there. Maybe you'll say something that sounds like, you know, American. The color. But you haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah color or, uh, you know, or, 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 you know, those, those. Yeah, yeah. So but I haven't heard anything like that at all. You you say you sound like one of us. So yeah, like, <laughs> like I think I'll be, yeah, kind of scared of my voice if I kind of lose, you know, the, the same voice that was. I had when I was younger like mm -hmm. I wanted that 
so whatever I have to do. But yeah, I'm always the clown um, in a lot of situations. But other people find it cute, so that's nice. Ah, so of course, this sounds like this is typical. Is it very? Is it? Um, do people? You know, when we go, like when I travel to when I've been to America, like there's always this fascination with with um, accents, you know, when they see a British person, when an American hears a British person, they're like, oh my God, she's from London, you know? Um, did you get a lot of that? I mean, I still do, yeah. yeah I can imagine. Actually, sometimes, you know, I get a bit tired, but some, but to be honest, I understand. I understand why something different would be exciting because of course, when I'm in America, like a lot of the time, yeah, when I hear people speak, I'm like, your voice sounds so beautiful. So I always, mm. I'm stunned by it. I'm in awe of it. So when people do it to me, I get it. But at the same time, you know, after seven years, like if I just want to ask someone that can like, can you move so I can go past? And they're like, oh my gosh, where are you from? I'm like, wow, I just really have somewhere to go. <laughs> Especially as a black woman in like professional settings, sometimes all people want to talk about is your accent, but you have other oh. mm. Um So yeah, that's why I actually like writing a lot. Like people don't know where you're from, nothing about you. You just submit some text. But when you have like a face and a voice, then there's a lot of other situations that can stem from that. That is very, oh, wow. You don't really think about that, you know, especially in the field that you're in as well. It's like, please don't get bogged down with the fact that I'm sounding all fascinating to you. Yeah. You listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Yeah. And yeah. I guess that might be an added thing about, you know, the way people view Britishness as righteousness and, you know, like, and especially working in your field, I guess it might be a, a like OD colonizer, like, oh my God, her voice. It sounds like, you know, the people on, what's that show that all these people love to watch? Downton Abbey. <laughs> I have no idea what that show is about. Like, I literally don't, I don't know either. All these I Americans, watch. whenever they see, they're like, have you seen Downton Abbey? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think I may have like glimpsed at it for about 10 seconds, but I don't, I couldn't tell you what it's about. Also, I did get told, so when I was in America once, right, I did get told that by an American person, that he was a black American guy, but he was saying British people sound like they can make the silliest thing sound intelligent. Yeah. There's some, they think that, and I feel like, do you feel like that impacts on the way people receive what you're saying just out of curiosity because when I start saying they're like you could literally be saying I'm about to poop but you the fact that you say it in your accent makes it sound like it's something they want to listen to and yeah she's serious about pooping you know <laughs> because, <laughs> because of this accent of hers like do you feel like I know it's so little but it's like this difference that you have from them and being in their space I'm just wondering how um it impacts on how people perceive you and how you're adjusting there I guess yeah no definitely I feel like there's privilege that comes with it like when people hear my accent versus when they hear an accent of another black woman from somewhere else from the south or something there's connotations in their mind that maybe I'm more educated or like I have like more accolades or something like it's so interesting but also frightening how people like correlate these British very like you know accents that stem from like our colonizers with superiority so I noticed that and I definitely see it see the difference in how like other people are treated due to their voices um I think that's a huge thing and there's a whole bunch of other privileges that I recognize that I have in terms of like skin color and like being lighter skin and how that you know impacts people who are dark, darker skin 
and how they are treated in the workplace as well. So I think accent is also something that needs to be involved in that conversation because it's real. Mm. Drag myself because there was actually once upon a time where I used to unintentionally, I guess. And that's another thing. Accents are really, I don't know. So for, as somebody who grew up in Nigeria, like, let me just explain what I'm trying to say. What, I grew up in Nigeria for a few. So when I came to this country, I had a Nigerian accent. Mm-hmm. And it was looked at as like something that, so I was called a freshie. I was basically looked down on. So I had, um, you know, words like freshie being mm-hmm. thrown at me. And, um, you know, like, I mean, what could, what could I know? You know, my intelligence being questioned. So what could I know actually speaking, sounding like that? Um, and also, and so once I realized that, oh, having this accent is actually a disadvantage, um, I just kind of went a bit quiet and I didn't really say much anymore and I just listened and unlike you Catherine who intentionally retains their accents because that's part of your identity and you don't want to switch it you don't want to um, assimilate to that degree I really wanted to assimilate I didn't want to be different and I genuinely intentionally I was conscious about losing this accent I lost my accent within two years yeah by year 10, I started in year nine. By year 11, I was like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, even when I try and put on a Nigerian accent, it just doesn't sound, I've never, I could never get that authenticity anymore because I, I literally wanted to lose it and I did lose it. And a part of me is a bit sad that, you know, I really did think that having a Nigerian accent was just something, it wasn't something that I desired. And even up until quite recently in my life, it still seemed like something that was undesirable for me. So it drags myself. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to, to, mm. to, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a drag, yeah. Michelle. I would say, yeah, like, I would say like, it's also like, it's different in it. Like one, you came in the peak of high school. In high school, everybody, it was, it was free corn. <laughs> <laughs> free corn. <laughs> And so I can understand why you being in that position, you'd be like, flip, like high school's brutal as it is. Am I going to attract more attention to myself? You went to high school in South London as well. Yes, I'm I not do. trying to say South London's for the dogs because Northwest London was definitely a doggish place. <laughs> but like... Um, it's but, for the dogs. It's for the dogs for sure. Yeah, sure. like... It, um, now sometimes I reflect back on high school years and I'm like what the hell did we go through but I think I think it's like also with that and it's also like the connotation of like Africanness that people have of like that we have of people that like we also need to discuss like how well do we even accept people that have an African accent like like say my mum for example my mum's been in this country for like nearly 30 years mm. and she, she sounds like the day she got off that plane, like, <laughs> it, nothing changed. And similar to you, Catherine, she's like, I refuse to, you know, lose this part of my identity. Like, this is who I am. But then how do people treat her? Because she's she's fantastic at her job and stuff. And like, still, that is a still thing that comes up. But I think that's distinctly a thing about Africanness as well. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of the second question I had um, about, yes, actually, this is not to delve into the overly, overly sensitive um, aspect because we, whatever, the times we're in right now, honestly, I'm a bag of feelings. So I can imagine that everyone, everyone's going through that. Everyone is living 
you know, vicarious pain or actually living in pain. So how has it been for you as a black woman um, living in America? So, so, so I'm just thinking about the jump from living in, growing up in the UK um, you, with, you know, British culture um, and everything else going to school here. So you've gotten pretty much, I would say the best of both in terms of experience of living in two different societies. Um, what are the stark differences um, the ones that you'd be like you, the one, the ones you really had to adjust to, um, because it's a whole different ball game. America's different, you know. I mean, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. I'm curious because I've always wanted to. When I was a kid, and of course, I grew up on watching American movies, you know. Um, and so, first of all, what? Anyways, I, I know there's the the British film industry, but I really never watched any British movies. I was honestly, I thought everything happened. Like America was the base site. Hollywood was where it was at. It was at. You know, if you weren't in Hollywood, you weren't really acting or making music or doing anything. You know, you want to make it big, go to America. Um, but the reason I say this is because of, like America's a whole different world entirely. Um, so how has it been adjusting and what are the main differences you found um, living in in, in, in the UK as a black woman and living in America as a black woman? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, like when it comes to things like racism or any kinds of like oppressive systems, I think there's a way in which like the UK and the US parallel each other because I feel like they're besties. Like, you know, when it comes to subjugating people and discrimination and the tactics that they share and how they treat the rest of the world, they're always in collaboration. So even though like in the UK, like a lot of the racism that I've experienced feels like very covert at times. Like for example, when I come to Heathrow airport and I'm trying to get my luggage off the conveyor belt, like I notice like no one will help me. And I always have like hella stuff because I only come once a year, mm -hmm. but, help me. but then if there's a white woman struggling, like everyone will run to her. Like that isn't anything that's said to me or done to me. It's what's not done for me. But then when I like land in the US, like then I may see all like, you know, graffiti of like, you know, hate speech directed towards black people. Like I'm in spaces where like, I know that black people are like losing their lives around me or I'm, you know, advocating to bail people out of prisons and jails. And like, I'm in schools where teachers are saying like the most like, disgusting things to black students directly to their faces. You know, I'm in places where black people are literally being like hit and violated in front of me. That doesn't mean that that doesn't happen in the UK, but that just means that my experience has been like, there's been difference in my experience, but then that's also a testament to how the UK tries to cover up things, mm -hmm. which is very insidious and which allows for people to place a lot of emphasis on the American experience while all of the different kinds of oppression continues to happen beyond, behind like this veil in the UK, which makes it harder to discuss these kinds of things in that arena, but I'm really excited. I feel like in the last few years, there's been a greater conversations and people really trying to unearth that history of violence, uh, the colonial legacy in the, the UK, the history of slavery, and then also all these moves to like abolish the police as well. So like I've been proud mm -hmm. of like the movement I've seen, especially since I've left. That's ganging this bitch. <laughs> this country and and, it, and and its long list of woes. Like, mm -hmm. I can't remember what I was, because obviously this week has been particularly 
poignant for Nigerians, particularly the ones that are living in Nigeria. I'm thinking of like the NSARS movement. And there was something I saw and it's just like, no matter what happens in anyone's country, you can guarantee that the US and the UK will have some type of pepe yeah. that they're spreading in that thing. And who is funding SARS? Who trains SARS? UK and US. So where do we go from here? I think that's why like, you know, when I tell people and like, you know, I'm writing these like articles and stuff and linking things to white supremacy and colonialism, like people always like come after me, my DMs <laughs> saying like, really? yeah, like honestly, like the way I delete DMs, like honestly, I just read the first three or maybe even one word and I delete, I don't even read the rest. But people will come into my DM saying that, no, this has nothing to do with colonialism. Like explain to me the origin, like explain to me the link. And for me, it's very, very saddening to see how like black people can just want to accept the blame for things that, you know, we actually did not start. Like you have to look at things historically, you know, not this is happening within a bubble. Like our country has had like great, you know, huge levels of oppression for decades. And, you know, we can't expect that there's going to be this magical move away from that. Everything has a legacy and that's what we're seeing in Nigeria. But people just are so ready to accept the blame for things that actually we shouldn't be accepting blame from. Like, and we're not going to be able to move forward unless we like unearth things from their roots. So it's tiring, man. DMs can be a wild place. I try not to look at things too often because, yeah, I think we have like a lot of healing to do and there's a lot of internalized trauma and racism that we need to work through. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like even I have aunties who would basically say stuff like, you know, when we talk about profiling, I have aunties that profile, they themselves, they're like, yeah, when they're looking dangerous. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't even know. In fact, let me even start. But I have I have people that I'm just like, I have an uncle that supports Trump. It's you know what? Let me just not expose my family. Let me <laughs> let me not expose my family because me and him are right now, we're not really speaking terms. But <laughs> it's just I I feel like you just have to how lost are you? And like is it brainwashing? Mm. Is it complete ignorance? Or is it just you really don't have any clue? Mm. But think- that's a whole different conversation. But yes, absolutely. I feel like um we are we readily accept the blame or blame. And that's like we don't really look as far as I think maybe some of us don't believe. I mean, by us, I mean Nigerians who definitely take that stance of, well, it's us, um, don't understand or don't really deep how deep rooted the issues like how far back the issues stem um and it's like oh well all these happen but no 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 we have to look at them as you know separate entities now these people are corrupt it's like why is the system the way it is in the first place look at that first they mm. look at the individuals within the system now but it's like you have to know that there's a cause and effect here yeah i think though if you look at it from like the level of like an abusive relationship i think that you know explains why people are so ready to take the blame because even if it's like on an interpersonal relationship and someone goes through abuse like the first reaction for many people is like oh I must have done something wrong like where is my fault there must be fault in me Mm. it's very like rare for people to immediately be able to put things in the hands of like the abuser so I think when you like look at on this like more meta level um kind of experience you can see the same thing showing up there as well like people are have been deeply harmed to the point where they're just accepting that they are the cause of the harm Mm. a word an actual word an actual word I was gonna say we're talking so much about traumas on this journey 
Um, but like, let's be talking about joy because it's, yes. that is also very important. That, 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 pardon? Them ones there, man. Joy. Mate, <laughs> that's also an act of resistance. Um, so this is a question for you, Cafs. Um, yeah, so what have you done? Well, what, what practices have you adopted that have like really helped with your joy during like in this trans, I wouldn't say it's a transitionary phase because you're fully in your bag now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <adapted>. This you, <laughs> this you. Um, but like, yeah, so what, what, um, what practices have you adopted and um, what practices would you say no longer serve you as well in this journey to joy? But like practice of joy that maybe I like, I don't need that one anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, a practice that I'm deep into is meditation. Uh, I think meditation is like, even though it's like, yeah, something I would classify as joyous, it's also extremely hard. You know, it's the process of like sitting with yourself, which I think a lot of people wouldn't want to do because it's scary. It's scary to understand what's in your subconscious and like mm. things that you feel and think about when you're not doing something linked to productivity. So for me to sit and meditate and to be able to like just focus on breath and my body, uh, I think that's a huge way of healing because even when we think that we let go of things from our minds, it stores in our bodies in different ways. There are different aches and pains that we feel that like are related to memories and meditation helps you process that. So I'm a big, big, big fan of meditation. Uh, I hope that through my experience and sharing my experience, I can get more people to consider it. And I think people need community when they meditate, because as I said, like it brings up a lot of past experiences, things that you've probably repressed in your life. Mm. Yeah, um, I do. Again, that's another thing on my journey to stalking Catherine. I see a lot of um, <laughs> meditation at this point. You might need to report this. Um, <laughs> I see. I see Catherine doing a lot of like. And sometimes I do take some tips from that. Like I read the, I because you sometimes you talk through what you're doing as well. Like you do little, um, when you add text to your story, um, just to kind of explain what you're doing or, um, and I read those and I, and honestly, like, I think I start to internalize them I'm, and it's just nice. I feel like, cause you exude such, you ex to me anyway, and this is not even something I physically see, I'm seeing this all virtually, but there's a certain piece that you exude. That's just someone who is very, very big on self-care, you know, and healing. And it, it's, I wish I could be like that, honestly. And I think it's because I am on it. I'm like a machine. I don't know how to relax. And it's something that I've realized about myself. And, you know, my friends have told me this, you know, one time I was in a conversation and they were like, Michelle, you seem, you're here, but you're not here. Mm -hmm. Like your mind is elsewhere. And I feel like your mind is racing. I can, I can see from the look, the expression in your eyes when you zone out, like you have somewhere else that you need to be or something else you need to be doing. And, but we're just here having a conversation. You just tune out. And I was just like, yeah, because I was just, and I was just texting. I think I was doing something else. And I was like, Michelle, you never used to be like this. And when she told me that, I was like, oh my God, now I have to go do some introspection <laughs> and figure out why I'm the way I am. <laughs> um, it was a long weekend because then definitely went into the abyss of my feelings and started looking at myself and thinking, right, I need to, I need to relax, I need to chill. But one thing I would like to try and do is meditate. And I don't know how to, because my brain doesn't stop working. It just wouldn't let me. Um, so I think it's very beautiful. Um, and meditation is something that I would definitely like to take on as well. 
um because I see the effect it has on people i.e yourself as well so definitely a good practice guys if you can slow your mind definitely yeah. try and do it no definitely and I think that you know a huge I think misconception of meditation is that it's just like this you know as I said like this piece or this blank space like as human beings we're never gonna actually be able to achieve that like meditation is rather like this recognizing of like your thoughts as natural so I think I was explaining to Veronica at one point that like if you have a thought you know recognize it as if it was a leaf just flowing past you like you see the leaf but you're not going to ruminate on that leaf it came and it went so like when I'm in when I'm meditating and I'm like closing my eyes and I'm thinking about something I'm like okay that's a thought label it as a thought and let it go and then like what they say in like you know meditative practice is that the space between one thought and another thought, that's when you are present. That's what now is. So the practice is to try and elongate that space so you're more in the present and you have a bigger space between thought one and thought two. And I think, you know, when you think of it that way, it becomes more practical, more tangible than just thinking you can achieve like this idea of nothing. Mm. Um, and I think that the more like we get into this like meditative practice, like as you were saying, like being able to see peace in people, that's how we like co-regulate each other. Like by me, seeming chill I can make other people feel chill too but then if I'm like sporadic and I'm like just consistently moving or feeling like I need to talk about something then people are going to have to feel that they do that have to do that same thing too so it's a way that we can actually care for others by caring for ourselves absolutely absolutely um and are there any other other practices um yeah on your journey that you've adapted I'm deep in the healing bag like honestly like <laughs> <laughs> I love it like we could talk about this for a long time but um I mean alongside with meditation like I'm now in the practice of writing down my dreams and oh? yes I have a whole book like yeah a whole book of dreams how do you remember it because I that's the thing so there's science behind it that the more you meditate the more aware you are of your dreams and it's so factual. Like, I think when I talk about it to people, it sounds like I'm losing it a bit, but I'm like, <laughs> until I experience like meditating for long periods of time and then going to sleep, like you won't understand how vivid your dreams are. Like I see like everything. I've seen everyone. I've seen Veronica chilling in my dreams recently. Like everybody just- <laughs> Haunting, haunting your dreams. Everyone's baby daddy and them like and the cats and all that have been in my dreams. Um, so yeah, I wake up, I have the book that's on my headboard and I write down my dreams. So like within 27 days, I had 57 dreams. What do you mean 57? Yeah, like two a night. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I would wake up. So even writing down the dreams is already becoming like long because it feels like homework because literally I could have like four or five dreams in a night. But I want to remember them because when I like wake up and I read them, like it tells me why I feel a certain type of way. Like, you know, some mornings you wake up and you're just already in a mood. Oh, yes, that's me. no idea. But then most nights you're dreaming, but you just can't remember what you dreamt about. So that residual feeling is going to be there. Like, I have no reason. That why? Like, so I want to know why (laughs) so that I can work through what I have to work through, even though sometimes, you know, ignorance is bliss. But Mm. if I can now like look at what I dreamt about, speak to my therapist and say like this is what is coming up in my dreams why is this coming up because a lot of it you know the themes to it there might be themes like oh I feel like I'm being rushed or I need to complete this work or maybe I let this person down or this is a person from my past I want to connect with like now you can work through that in therapy because 
we spend like a huge proportion of our lives asleep. So I feel like if we disregard that, like one third of the day also like asleep, and yet we're just acting like that's cash and we can let go of it. Like we actually need to see what's coming up for us when we're not able to control our thoughts. Wow. That's that's a new thing. That's a new thing that I need to think. That's interesting. I don't know. That's just never occurred to me. So that's a new thing to think about. Or, hmm, okay, dreams. Wow. Bringing consciousness. Have you ever had like a reoccurring dream? I'm sure I have, but I also, like, I feel like I can say with certainty that I have, but I don't remember it. Hmm. Hmm. Dreams are fascinating. I just, just, just... Although I used to have, and I, I won't say used to, like I have had, so it could probably happen again, dreams that trickle into my reality. Like, so my, I, I've had really bad dreams that have had me waking up crying. Like I'm crying in the dream and it drips into my, into my conscious. So from my subconscious or unconscious, sorry, I am, I basically wake up in tears. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can, like I've been wailing in my dream and come woken up and not paused by the way as in I've woken up wailing right. it's been very scary and those those times where I just run to my mum because I've had a really bad dream whatever it was I'd literally run to my it's happened when my mum was in the room as well and she was like what 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 you know but it's like it's it's very scary and it's like wow how have I woken up with such heaviness mm-hmm. I thought I was just dreaming but it was actually happening to me and I've just woken up continuing it and it's like I know and I don't remember exactly why what I've been dreaming about but I know it was devastating enough for me to wake up like that Mm -hmm. it's very scary when that happens yeah the one thing I can't explain when it comes to sleep maybe both of you can is sleep paralysis oh my god that was my next thing that one? I, I I pray against that so <laughs> oh my goodness no, no, no. I, I, I've seen the memes I've prayed no, against Catherine, it. <laughs> no, Catherine, I, I have sleep paralysis I've had it before yeah. it is one of the most scary things I've ever experienced in my whole existence being awake and your body not being oh my god okay just thinking about it it's actually no. one of the most scary things I've ever experienced in my life no oh wow you're enjoying life you know you're no, i don't life. want to speak as in, about as in, it as in, i have woken up i have woken up my conscious is inside my body yeah. but my body is not moving yeah. wait and is this when they see happened, the demons because that's so, what yeah, that, that can happen yeah that can happen so it might not be a thing and you might like for example one time i was falling i was actively falling in my dream mm-hmm. in my s- sleep mm-hmm. but i was aware that i was falling in my conscious i had woken up but i was still feeling the sensation of falling and I couldn't wake up yeah also I felt like I, one time I was possessed by a demon hey, God, God forbid God Lord God, God forbid Lord. good morning Jesus good morning Lord <laughs> <laughs> no 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 this time was actually like a, I don't know that's why I should stop watching all these exorcism movies but <laughs> rouse no. myself no yeah. that would terrify me I, was, I, would never I felt like again. somebody was trapping me in my body yeah yeah that's what it feels like Is that what I was yeah, yeah I felt like somebody trapped me in my body and I was genuinely I was praying my head the awake me that was inside my brain was praying to be released because yeah. I was actually trapped in my body yeah oh sleep paralysis is not the one it happened to me only once and that's when I first moved to America and I was alone in an apartment by myself and oh so when it happened, it was, it was kind of weird. I think I learned a lot about myself because I was actually very chill. 
I was like, well, there's nothing I can do. If I can't speak, I can't speak. If I can't meet, <laughs> if I can't get up, I can't get up. <laughs> Honestly, like sometimes you just have to accept things and move uh, on. No, nah, I would hate to feel that. I hate feeling like this is ex- okay. So this is why. So when you know, like when people drink and stuff, mm. I hate the feeling of like falling off the wave. You know, when you do not have control of your body, you're telling your body, I want to go up the stairs. Your body's like, I'm sitting down. That is like my bottom two feeling. And the image of sleep crisis, of course, I've only seen it in like memes and stuff. It's always a demon that comes up. I'm like, so you you can't even move. And there's a demon that's chilling at the end of your bed. I'm sorry, but like- <laughs> you're, you're aware they're there. You're aware. You can see the, you can, even you're just there like this. <laughs> No, <laughs> bottom two feelings. Bottom, t- I think oh. the one about the one I had more recently, and I'm saying recent as in this year, wow. was the whole like I felt like someone is I was possessed, but I couldn't get out of my body as in me and my oh, somebody was cohabitating in my body with me. I would not really Michelle. <laughs> I had to wake up and just do pr- pr- prayers. Prayer. In fact, that whole day I was everything was devil get get thee behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely feel like something's gonna happen to me after this podcast. Now. Yeah, no, yeah, that was really I don't want to talk. <laughs> I rebuke. I rebuke. That's why I don't so want to talk about once, it. Once we come off this, we need to pray. Yeah, you lot pray, pray, and pray, because you know. Yeah, no, that's why I don't. I don't like talking about sleep paralysis. Like it, like <laughs> honestly, like I don't like it. I don't like it because I, I don't know what I'll do if I see a demon here. Because that means you can't even open like, even your open your mouth to shout. No, you, just you, can't, you can't do anything. You're just dead, aware. There. You're, you're aware you're terrified and your body's not moving you can't even run you want to run but you can't run you can barely even blink you're just looking <laughs> <laughs> wait how long does it last honestly it feels like it's, it feels like a forever it could literally be a minute who knows it feels like it's forever and all of a sudden i just wake up knowing that i've just experienced like i've experienced sleep paralysis at some point in my sleep i don't even know if i wake up straight away after I, my body is released it's usually I wake up and I thank God that I've woken up. Mm-hmm. In it, you don't wake up straight after the strip of sleep. You finally, some way, somehow, normalize, go back into a normal REM sleep or whatever sleep you're sleeping. And you wake up remembering that you've had sleep paralysis, but you don't know how long after the sleep paralysis where you were released. You just know that you were released and you just thank God and live to fight another day. Mm-hmm. Mephistopheles. <laughs> <laughs> guys i refuse like I've, i have not invited them into this chat like let me tell you any of them that are lurking i've not invited them into the chat step step like not i'm i'll make it 25 more years i'm not even 25 god 26 more years <laughs> Without no, like no. that would terrify. Yeah, oh, I would. I would like to understand the mechanism behind it, but um, I did want to ask another juicy question, Catherine. So I feel like obviously to have such such a level of awareness of oneself, sex must bang, you know. Um, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Oh wow, we're taking it to the gutter. So as usual. <laughs> No, but seriously, like that's what I was just wondering. And honestly, you I think recently you were saying something, you were you posted something about 
um, something to do with where, where meditation and um, zenness meets sexual awareness and like sensual awareness. And you were, again, honestly speaking, I'm not stalking you, but you know, I'll be following, innit? <laughs> but no, because honestly, like I do, I do watch, I, I like your stories. I do watch your stories. I think it's, there's always interesting content on there. But, and it's like, to be so aware and grounded within oneself and just, you know, I don't know, like it's just, it's almost airy-fairy, but consciously airy-fairy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, every sensation, it's almost like electricity that you can actually see the sparks Mm-hmm. you know come like what's that babe again with the the access that access to 100 of her brain um <laughs> you know the movie <laughs> there's a movie there's a movie with the babe that access you know how they say we only use 10 percent limitless no no it's with um, J- um, your, um scarlett johansson and she basically uh, ingests this drug um some and and it causes her to access her like a hundred percent of her brain I think she just mm. and it's interesting because she's everything in fact she becomes superhuman to be quite frank because apparently as human beings we only access about 10 percent we only use about 10 percent of our actual I, I want to say can I speak about that from a scientific perspective the reason what? why you're not using the other bit is because it's gray matter no okay so I'm gonna no, wait. Let's move on to the question because the question is actually quite juicy. You can go okay, on to the, yeah, the question. No, no, honestly, we'll take this scientific discussion elsewhere. <laughs> let's let's let put a pin in that for a minute. So so to me, it's like for you to be so zen. I have to take an inhaler, inhaler, and exhaler, right? <laughs> um, it must mean that that because sex is like you would feel every every lick every stroke every kiss it's like you know sage and candles i don't know but it just you sound like you're experiencing something right now as you're even talking. michelle really yes. sounds like <laughs> michelle really sounds like she's about to explore the benefits of meditation legit <laughs> legitimately <laughs> so please tell us tell us how you have um found a way to um incorporate this meditation and you know but awareness like this extra level of awareness with sensuality yeah I mean I think like you know the kind of meditation that I do is like somatic meditation so and for me first it was so hard for me to even get into it because like one of the guided meditations I do like you have to imagine breath going to every part of your body so as in like your little toenail on your left foot you will spend time imagining breath going to that one place and then to the other toe and then the other toe and then to the sole of your foot to your ankle like every part of your body you're activating it and thinking about it so by that but by the time you finish the meditation you've explored every aspect of your body and you've got to know yourself so well that by the time it comes to like sex or any kind of intimacy like it seems like you're you're not just giving yourself to a person like you are exploring a place that you've already explored you've already like figured out the kinds of things you find pleasurable the kinds of touch you find pleasurable you know you've been able to like work through if you have any like past trauma you'd be able to work through that too through meditative practice um but yeah I think it's just like awareness but you know I think you know of course everything like takes the other people or person that's involved in the sexual act to actually make it bang you know I mean like 
you can be in your mental health bag, you can be in your meditative bag, but then if the other person isn't equally as aware, then, you know, there could be a mismatch. Um, but yeah, I do think that meditation or just even being in spaces that talk about like sexual liberation are important because, you know, I think, you know, many of us haven't been in those spaces that allow us to explore our sexuality fully. Um, so, I, and I think like communication is like one of the biggest things that, you know, you can get from meditation, being able to just stop and pause and be aware of something other than yourself or your thoughts. And I think that that's something that's very oftentimes like missing in sex, like people are just in it for themselves. But when you truly want to connect with someone else's body, then you have to be able to like pause and, you know, think about what's right for them and to be able to ask them what's right for them. And then also, you know, look after them after it as well. It's a whole kind of process, not just the act of like physically touching someone. Let me not lie, right? So obviously I get secondary education from Catherine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, Catherine be going to these conventions and these talks and I'd be like, spark notes. <laughs> about the stuff to be honest no I'm just like and so there's something like really interesting that she introduced I was like fam okay we're taking we're we're taking it to the streets guys but like we're taking it to the yes let's go I've been ready to be honest Michelle Michelle has very much so been ready (laughs) (laughs) and so like um, No, but like she was just saying something about like how, you know, with sex, it's like the after as well. So I think like, and I was thinking about this, I'm like, whenever people be smashing, like it's literally just the act of the smash. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about aftercare. The aftercare is like, let me go and dry myself off Mm -hmm. and let me go and sleep. Yeah. Or let me go and have a, let me go. Eat after. Don't get motion yeah. sickness. What do you mean motion sickness? It can be after because you're yeah, you've you finished you've you it's like exercise, you've burnt calories, you want to go and eat and then I'm, sleep. Depends I'm on what you're doing. I, yeah, I also I can't I can't eat an hour after an hour before. Because I feel like what I type of what type of prescription of a situation? I, I have learned my lesson. <laughs> I have really learned. <laughs> Nah, I've learned my lesson. Like, I was like, I don't want to tell you guys. I don't you said to... an hour before, an hour after. It's like you said, It sounds like the back of what you see on the back of a drug it to be had on like an empty stomach. <laughs> nah. Right, it sounds like swimming. No, but like, um, I, I'll tell you guys this, this story off pod, but like, <laughs> yeah, no. So, like, <laughs> nice. Nah, so, like, mm? sorry, Catherine, I didn't hear you. You can even eat during it yeah nah not for me absolutely can to really be quite frank more chocolate here and there yeah yeah all of that all those good endorphins just pumping through your system do you know what i mean food and sex at the same time oh, yeah. i imagine that to be lit because food more gives me a feeling like no other yeah plant it <laughs> blaming did you say did you just say planting a puff up <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, <laughs> now, ma'am, now, ma'am, <laughs> we don't need oil everywhere. <laughs> Who is frying the plantain? <laughs> like, you know, with the oil just boiling over. <laughs> I love to 
have your needs met. This month's one of your needs. <laughs> then it's part of your needs, I guess. <laughs> True to you though. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, so I was thinking about like aftercare and I was like, this is so interesting because I think that the way that like sex is socialized because I believe people learn how to have sex from Pornhub because no, no one teaches you how to do it so you kind of just muddle around and then you're like okay I'm just gonna learn by what I see mm-hmm. and um but then the whole aftercare of it because like what happens at the end like someone finishes and then it's like the the, the, the film the, is finished the, the film is finished <laughs> yeah. it says after the next ad please watch <laughs> so like and so I always think about like the what she what like Catherine has said like recently is like aftercare and I was like raw like how are we incorporating aftercare into our sexual practices and even like self-pleasure how do you incorporate aftercare into that because it it starts from that because if you can't do it with self how are you expecting to do it with John Tom Jide and Michael like so <laughs> it's actually aftercare after self-pleasure sleep but no like I feel like being in these spaces like yeah I've learned that like aftercare like when you're having sex with a partner it's so important to even just discuss that way beforehand like what are the things that bring you pleasure or make you feel held or comforted after sex it's like they're really really important whether it's food whether you want to be held for x amount of time Mm. you know whether you want to, to like you know run a bath for you all that cute stuff like you should be able to make those demands because if not like as I always tell people am I a sack of rice like am I a sack of rice am I a waste man do you actually know what I mean am I a Tesco club dog and you know what I mean just just leave me there and sleep what does that even mean Mm. run a bath wow one day but then also that also extends like how you have sex with yourself like whether it's like masturbation and stuff like you can also do like really lovely stuff for yourself like I was in a workshop where someone has a whole segment of their room that's just reserved for masturbation like they had this beautiful rug they had like dim lights and that's part of her room like all of this stuff that she wanted to use all of her toys were in one section like she really honors her body and herself so that when she's now with partners like I know what I give myself I know like how I look because I also have a mirror in that section like I know I'm incredible now I'm so you have to honor me no, sisters, honestly, I stand her. And honestly, we that's so important. I've never thought about this stuff, but absolutely, that is really important. And it just, you set your standard for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And then you just let whoever you're with. And that's, again, you, you have to be really picky with the partners as well. That's the thing now. Because then some people, if you're if you're just here to come and collect and, and go, then that's just not what I'm signing up my, myself up for. Because I don't think that many people, men, as for myself, um, would be down for the sort of self-care, um, would have been anyways, if I'm looking at my history, um, would be down for myself, the self-care that I expect and, and would want, because they'd be looking at me weird, like if I say I want to be held for X amount of time or, you know, I won't expose my specific practices, but I just don't feel, I feel like I would even utter it because I'm just like, yeah, I'm maybe just reserve this one for whoever I end up with as like my husband or whatever, but it's really important to set that standard for yourself because and it, mm. yeah yeah go on be no sorry I'm just gonna say because it's like why would why do I only have to re- reserve 
how I want to be treated why can't it also be obviously like for casual situations a casual things a casual thing so like we kind of know what are we getting ourselves into in general mm-hmm. but I think it's also a thing of like why is this only for this situation when I could expect more mm-hmm. and like why am I not like how do I push the boundaries of what I expect and how do people meet my needs and how am I able to meet my own needs first at firstly and then expand that to everyone else so yo real liberation girl shit honestly interesting hmm first of all I'm gonna light my candles tonight that's my takeaway from this I'm lighting candles in my room you know you can get massage candles right what does that even mean Oh, you've never heard of massage candles that you no. you see me uncultured I don't know um, <laughs> and like your partner can drip them on you or you can drip them on yourself so people use them for like it can be like a pre-game for like sex or masturbation or at any time you want really uh, where's my jota I'm gonna I didn't bring the jota out when I said to bring it <laughs> honestly honestly pardon that's what I've learned on this journey there's so many things to explore Mm, because like okay I'm gonna ask a silly question just because I don't want people just you know because I guess you can do it can you do it with any candle like a random yankee candle or (laughs) a specific massage because I'm very conscious that somebody would be like like my yankee need them to sponsor this podcast um yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I mean i'm sure you could i haven't okay. tried it you know if anyone gets hurt please do not at me but, <laughs> but yeah i think you can use pretty much any, anything there's a word that people use called pervertibles and that's basically anything in your environment that can be used like sexually so oh for a word you know pervertibles. pervertibles so like you know if you look around your room like people are creative minds you can really make a lot of things work interesting candles definitely candle because candle wax is it doesn't really hurt to be honest like mm. when you get candle wax on your skin just don't throw the whole flame on yourself and you'll be fine one thing I will say though is like okay you know when you go when I used to go to church and I'd get the when you pour the candle wax from church on it would hurt less than like a massive like Yankee or something type of candle that you would have in your house I don't know why maybe the church wax they know that people be getting pleasure from pouring the wax on themselves (laughs) oh wow Uh I said what I said. We all all knew what we were doing there. (laughs) Sleep paralysis is coming for us. Literally. (laughs) After our credit against this broker has brought it back to my my, mic. Balthazar and Mephistopheles. Step. Step. (laughs) I'm trying to have a good sleep tonight. Um, But yeah, this has been a really interesting conversation. I, I... yeah as you guys can tell like Catherine is Catherine is someone who is an explorer um a a woman of knowledge a woman in you know who is very aware of herself and commands um change 
but also knows how to look after herself and knows what she deserves, which is honestly where we should just be. Every individual, whoever you are, honestly, genuinely being able to, in your space, be who you are in your own right, but also take the time to look after yourself and understand yourself deeply. And life is more enjoyable, I think for the most part, when you have more awareness. I feel sometimes when you're too aware, trauma, trauma, but other times it can be really nice to just have to really understand yourself and really know what works for you. Um, and yeah, this, this has been a lovely conversation. It's got me thinking I really should be lighting my candles tonight. I'm going to light them. I'm going to yeah. light them. Sorry, Cass, something about you... lighting candles. You said something, Cass? No, I was encouraging you to do oh. it yeah just light the candles and just dim, dim the lights i need a dimmer that's what i need next step is to get not that i'm not doing i'm not doing anything tonight because you know nature doesn't allow however <laughs> um however just to be to relax myself by being in a you know dimly lit room and just being able to breathe and you know release my thoughts you know pick them attend to them each each one of them as they come that would be nice. Hmm. Yeah. Cass, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. This is amazing. I'm so proud of both of you as well. To create this platform, see black women doing bits, basically. I'm so excited for you. Oh, thanks, babes. Mm. Thanks. So, Catherine, before we... Um, do we have any to-go messages or... Um, if not, if there's anything else that you wanted to put out there, if not, do you want to, do you want to be found? Yeah, that's a <laughs> good a question. It's a question because, you know, we always say like, put, yeah, is there anything you want to promote? But do you also want to be found? Because she doesn't want to be found, just leave her alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you guys can find me. I mean, my name's at Cass Labaran on pretty much everything. Um, but yeah, I would really encourage people to continue to just, explore things like pleasure and joy and happiness and all the things that were supposed to be denied as black people you know like the systems that we exist in they're created to oppress us so when we do something opposite like sense our happiness and peace and all things that they've tried to rob us from it's a direct act of resistance and it's something that's passed on to generations after us and something that heals the generations that came before us beautiful mm, beautiful 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 oh thank you so much Catherine I really look forward to putting this out there and I hopefully I know for sure this is going to be really enjoyed by myself and our listeners so thank you so much block my mom so she doesn't listen to this I don't know how you're going to block your mom off um, Spotify but let's find a way <laughs> You know what? We need, we'll, we'll put out two versions. <laughs> Actually, no, we won't. I'm not going to. Yeah, we won't. No, legitimately, this is what they're getting. This is what I'm getting. Um, but yeah, so um, without further ado, I just want to say thank you guys for sticking with us. Um, and uh, I hope that you guys, if you've gotten to the end of this episode, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. And of course, um, you can you know where to find us. So we're on Spotify, we're on um, SoundCloud, and we're on Apple Podcasts. And you can also follow us. Check out our Instagram cha Instagram channel. Wow, Instagram page. I don't know TBH Pods. Um, and 
if you have any specific inquiries, we're also on, um, I don't know, to be honest, 2bhpod at gmail.com as well. And yes, guys, thank you for listening and have a lovely, lovely day. Which I'm so proud of you. Oh, thanks, guys. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Guys, we're finally getting there. It's going to be equal equal load of the outro. He's always coming for me every week, man. Oh my every god, Cass, I just realized your episode is gonna be episode 12. Oh, I love it. <laughs> 12 is one of Catherine's favorite numbers. Oh, is it? Okay, in honor of Catherine, episode 12. Sorry, Cass, what did you say? My birthday is May 12th, isn't it? Mm. Oh, okay. Like absolutely in honor of you. This is episode 12. So again, thank you for joining us and we'll see you in our next episode, guys. Bye. Bye.